kind of understood our thinking about the whole situation that's going on. And uh, I would say the, the best way to describe it, uh, how we thought, was uh, uh, kind of uh, skeptical concern, skeptical concern about what's going on. We, we, uh, we knew that Russia, of course, uh, intelligence was reporting all the time that Russia was gathering troops uh, around the border. And uh, we, we had, you know, kept up with the news constantly, but we weren't uh, convinced that it would turn into a full-blown invasion. And speaking with Ukrainians, uh, there was almost down to the man, there was no one who believed that Russia would just attack completely the country of Ukraine. Um, we, we had gone back and forth for the last few months about what was going on and if we needed to leave and if it would be better to go to a safer part of Ukraine that's kind of out of the, the target zone. And ultimately, by, by February, what we, what, the, what we landed on was that uh, Russia would probably attack the eastern part of the country, where there's already been a war going on, and uh, that if uh, we heard that troops were massing about three hours north of us on the Belarus border, and uh, we thought that if, if Kiev sent troops over to the east during an attack, that Russia would, would threaten Kiev and say, you know, if you send troops over there, we'll attack Kiev. So that, that's, that's the absolute uh, worst case scenario that we could have imagined. But uh, on February 24th, when, when we woke up at five in the morning to explosions, my father-in-law said that, that it was like lightning and thunder all at once in one place. Uh, we, we knew right away that, that it wasn't just going to be a war in the east, but it was going to be a war through the whole country. And uh, we heard reports, you know, as that was going on, that tanks were crossing the border and that it was going to be a full-blown full invasion rather than just uh, limited to the east. So uh, we had, you know, initially thought about going to western Ukraine, where it's, it's less likely to be attacked. Uh, if it is attacked, it would be the, the very last thing that would be invaded. And we had a few brothers there, you know, through January and February, who uh, we knew they wanted to start a Bible-believing church in that area. So we, we initially thought maybe we'll just go up, out there for a few weeks um, until uh, if, if it would be an invasion and uh, stay with those brothers. But uh, as we we're, as we're left Kiev, uh, we decided that we would ultimately head toward the western part of Ukraine. And uh, we were hearing things that they were attacked. Some of it turned out to be true. Some of it... It wasn't true, the, the reports that we were hearing, but we thought that Kiev would be surrounded within a, a few days and that Russia would gain air superiority over the country, um, that they would control the whole air and, and also send in ground forces to surround the city of Kiev. So as we were driving, we you know, made the decision to just go ahead and cross the border into Poland, and we thought that would be the safest option. And uh, after being in Poland, we, we, we made it, you know, it took 18 hours to make an eight-hour drive made it all the way through the back roads to the Polish border. And then at the border, I had to sit there for three days, just going a car length at a time. And uh, finally made it, you know, after four days of driving, uh, across the border. And then prayed about what to do next. We knew, we heard that, that it was going to be a full invasion of the country, and it could be uh, a long time before anything would be resolved. And so ultimately, prayed about it and decided to come back to the States for a time. Uh, my wife's pregnant and due in August, so we thought the best thing to do is just come back to the States for a time until the baby's born and get stable, situated, and then, uh, Lord willing, by that time we'd have, have some, uh, some clear 
direction about maybe where to go next. And uh, our desire is that, uh, of course, to go back to, to Ukraine. That's our, that's our desire. But uh, the door might be closed for a while there to, to actually go back, and especially in Kiev and the capital there, where house and church are. Uh, so we're, we're going to pray about it for that. We appreciate you praying for us, that the Lord give us direction. Um, we're open to going to Europe there, Poland, or neighboring country. Uh, you've heard on the news that uh, you know four million Ukrainians have left the country already, and uh, two million of those are refugees in Poland, and then another uh, two million are scattered all throughout Europe. And so we have options to stay in Europe and uh, deal with refugees. We have a few church members who are in Poland, and uh, so we're going to pray about that for the next few months to see if if that would be the Lord's will that we just go there, um, or if we continue to stay in the states. Uh, I, I mentioned that uh, a lot of our ministry was involved in uh, getting Bibles printed and tracts printed and shipping them out around the world. And uh, it, it's amazing that the Lord has, with just us being here a month, the Lord has given us more opportunities to print here in the States than we ever had when we were in Ukraine. So we had a few people get in touch with us and said, we're willing to print Bibles, print the King James Russian Ukrainian, uh, willing to print tracts, and so... And it turns out that those places are, are you know, not even an hour from where my parents live in Tennessee. So uh, it looks like the Lord may open doors there for us to get Bibles uh, printed, and then we'll work on while we're here in the States, just shipping those out. Uh, a lot of churches, a lot of missionaries in Europe are interested in literature. Uh, a lot of a lot of churches here in the States are going to to have access to Ukrainian refugees or some people who. Uh, I think about North Carolina, uh, even Tennessee, where I grew up, a lot of, a lot of immigrants there. And so a lot of these local uh, Bible-believing churches are going to have access to Ukrainians who are coming in. And so we, it looks like we have an opportunity there while we're here to, to work on that project, getting Bibles printed and then uh, shipping them out, mailing them out. So we're thankful that the Lord has given us uh, opportunities to continue uh, the mission field while we're here in the States and uh, continue what we were doing over there. We were, we were thinking about that with my father-in-law and uh, saying that, that we're, we're able to do almost everything that we did in Ukraine with the exception of, of street preaching and you know being out on the streets talking to Ukrainian people. Uh, we're able to do almost everything that we did uh, while we're here in the States. So we're going to try to use this time that we're here uh, to, to maximally continue what we were able to do there. Um, the, the news is still going on, of course, and, and lately we've gotten news that, uh, that Russia has backed off of Kiev, uh, which is a blessing, but uh, of course we don't know exactly what's going to happen there in the country. It uh, looks like Russia is going to attack uh, the east, where we initially thought that they would attack, and it uh, looks like they kind of overextended themselves by, by attacking Kiev right away, and uh, so that's encouraging. While we were in Poland, we got to meet some Americans who were uh, involved in in uh, training Ukrainian forces before the war broke out. And uh, now they're occupied in, in arming Ukrainians. And uh, so they said it's, it's very encouraging what, that the Ukrainians have been, been able to fight off the Russians. And they weren't expecting, you know, Americans were saying that within two weeks, Kiev would fall, uh, if that. And so <clears throat> it's, a, it's a blessing that, uh, that they've stayed away from the, the places that we ministered to, passed out tracks, have church and a home there, so it's a blessing that they have that the Lord has protected that area. 
And uh, I had a suspicion that because the gospel was able to be spread throughout the whole country of Ukraine, that the Lord has kind of spared uh, destruction on some of these areas just due to the fact that, that there was gospel witness that has gone out over the years. So we're thankful that, uh, that you've helped us, supported us through these uh, few years here. It's uh, supported my father-in-law for, uh, for, for the time that he's been over there. And we know that that time that we spent wasn't in vain. Pastor Elliot encouraged us in that fact that, that the Lord had us in a place and we were able to do something in that time. And uh, that, that, that's not in vain, our time there. And so we appreciate uh, if you would continue to pray for us uh, while we're here in the States and uh, uh, continue to pray for Ukraine, for the folks there, especially saved, who are uh, dealing with uncertainty and fear as uh, they're going through air raid sirens and, and missile strikes and everything around them. They're, they're in a time of fear. So I appreciate that you'd uh, continue to pray for those folks. We have a few people who uh, are acquaintances and friends who are serving and uh, we, we appreciate you praying for them, that the Lord would, would uh, keep their eyes on Him throughout all this thing. And it's easy to look at things going on in the world and lose track of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that He's doing, um, even on a small scale for us. So, um, uh, does anyone have any questions regarding um, you know, the things that we were doing in Ukraine, the, the ministry, or just... Uh, yeah, on the, on the large scale, what was going on in Ukraine? Does anyone have any questions? Things that might not be understood from the news? We've had a few people who have, uh, the odd one or two who have um, kind of gotten their news from YouTube and, and had an idea that, that perhaps Russia might be the good guy in all this. Um, some folks have uh, believe that the United States and the West uh, are run by Satanist uh, Democrats and um, that, that Russia is actually freeing Ukraine from the oppression of... But uh, there, there's an element of truth in the fact that if Russia goes toward Europe and toward the West, that they have a more, uh, uh, more wicked influence. The, the more free a country is, the more wickedness that's allowed in there. And uh, Russia has kind of supported the idea that they're a conservative country and that they're, they have morals and they're following God in the Orthodox Church. And so they've kind of pressed the idea that, that when they go in there, they're freeing the Ukrainian people uh, from Nazism and from, from the evil West. And uh, we, we don't get a lot into the, the politics of everything that's been going on. We, we, we know that the devil's the, the father of lies and that if there's any conspiracy going on uh, in the country of Ukraine, that it's on the large scale. It's the devil. It's Satan. And the Lord allowing him to, uh, to you know, wield control in the world. And so, so our belief kind of personally is that if there is a conspiracy going on, it has to do with the unification of Europe uh, under one mother church. So that, that's kind of our, our idea on the, on the whole thing. We don't get too much into all the details about who's doing what and you know, Biden's and Trump and, and Putin and everyone. So that's, that's kind of, we've had a few people who have, you know, reached out to us uh, with concern about the fact that Russia's actually the good guy. But ultimately, we, we've seen that in Ukraine, in the country, um, Ukraine has been open to the gospel, and it's been the one out of Ukraine and Moldova, the, the only two former Soviet republics who have been open to the gospel, allowed missionaries to go in and preach the gospel, 
whereas Russia's closed, kicking the missionaries out, and uh, more restrictive to the gospel, uh, whereas Ukraine is a country that has allowed missionaries in there. So, so we know that if, if Ukraine is involved in anything, anything shady, that uh, the Lord has used the freedom in Ukraine for missionaries to go out and preach the gospel and uh, have a freedom that has never been experienced in, in Russia to that degree. So anyone else have any questions? No, everything that we received was from the states here. Yeah, support. No, no. Now, a lot of our church folks are, um, Ukraine has done a lot financially in the country to, to try to keep the economy going. You, you can imagine when a country's invaded, bombs, missiles going off, all the investment that was in the country is, they're hesitant, the businesses aren't operating like they used to be. Uh, our church folks, they can't just go to work when there are missiles and rockets going off. And so um, we, you know, our, our, we've been concerned for our church folks, but the Lord has, has uh, protected them. They've been able to get food. The electricity is still on. Any, um, any, any debts that people had in the country, they said they're, they're pausing that. They're not going to have any interest on any debts. So if anyone was in debt, they're not going to go deeper into debt. And uh, so the Lord has protected financially our church folks, but we're still going to try to send money to, to our friends and family who are still there and uh, try, to, try to keep them going over there. But uh, not, we weren't affected financially from everything that went on in Ukraine. Pastor? Now, giving money to people over there, I was wondering that myself, uh, is there a safe way to do that so you, you are insured that the money is getting to where you want it to get? We... Uh, uh, and the Lord, it's, it's one of the small things that the Lord has worked out that um, we, we were able to send, uh, we thought it might be blocked from here in the States, but we've, we've been able to send, we, we opened a bank account there in Ukraine so that we could send money to there and not have any fees. And so we've been able to send to the bank in Ukraine and from there send individually to, to friends and family and, and folks in need. And uh, also, America has opened up things that were previously closed. I think PayPal uh, was previously closed in the country. But America said, we're going to open that for Ukrainians and so they can get money into the country. And also Western Union and, and things like that. These, these are financial things that America has and other countries have said, you know, we need to get money into Ukraine. And so we need a safe way to do that. So I'm thankful that we're, we've been able to still send to the local bank there in Ukraine. That's been open. And from there, send, you know, without any fees to our friends and family who are in need. And uh, so, so I'd say there's even more ways now than there previously was. That is a concern. Uh, Ukraine is one of the largest wheat suppliers of Europe, and it was a breadbasket of the, the Soviet Union. That's one of the reasons why Ru Russia wants Ukraine. It's got fertile farmland. And so uh, they were concerned that, that, of course, there'd be a worldwide food shortage if Ukraine is you know, not able to export the wheat. 
But uh, as far as in the country itself, Ukraine had a lot of grain reserves for themselves. Um, so there, there's, for now, food for the Ukrainian people. Uh, they're still able to get things over the border. You know, tons of humanitarian aid and things are coming in from Poland and Romania. And um, so for now, in the actual country of Ukraine, there's not a food shortage. And uh, even in Kiev, that they thought might be under siege, they're still, they were still able to get meat and, and you know, a, a lot of the things in the stores were still there. Um, there are, are areas of Ukraine that are uh, blocked off now under siege, and they're having trouble getting food into those areas. But uh, overall, there's, there's still a stable food um, supply in the country. And uh, they're still trying to, right now is the planting season, the plowing season, and they're, as much as possible, trying to continue the agricultural pr production. They're, they're, of course, limited, and uh, a lot of people are afraid. They're in areas, you know, open farmlands. They're open to tank invasions and armored, armored vehicles, armored infantry. And so a lot of the farmers are, are but they're trying to continue the food production like, like normal. And uh, one, one of the things that they emphasized when the, the invasion started is that people need to continue their jobs and continue their work just like normal and to try to keep the economy going, keep people fed, and keep, keep uh, money flowing within the country. So they're, they're worried about a, uh, a food shortage in the Middle East, which is where um, Ukraine had been shipping, exporting wheat, grains. And uh, so that's, that's kind of interesting what, what might come of all this. Um, as, as far as now, Ukraine still has a supply for themselves, and they're hoping to export as much as they can in this, this growing season this year. So if uh, they do get the production where they need to be, how can they export it? they got the seaports now blocked, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. So they have to truck it all through Poland or right. Romania is the only two spots. Yeah, prices going up. Yeah. And um, they, they did ship a lot. Um, they had grain storages in the, in the western part of the country where they're, they're able to store, and from there they would go on trains. Uh, the problem with the train system in Europe, uh, Ukraine, is that it was uh, the, the trains are the train tracks are a certain width that matched the whole Soviet Union, and when you get to the the Polish border, the the uh, the width of the train tracks are wider, either wider or or smaller. So when you when the, when the Ukrainians drive a train up to the border, then they have to to unload everything there at the border. So uh, that, that's one of the the concerns they had for for uh, train shipping. So uh, they, they're still able, uh, I, I think almost all the ports in Ukraine along the, the south are under blockade or uh, not able to get, get ships out. So Europe would still have access to that, but it would be the prices would go up as opposed to shipping by sea. Ukraine have their own refineries for their oil? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. They They... They were never a oil-producing country. They they had considered drilling, I believe, in the Black Sea, but Russia, of course, you know, put a stop to that. They Russia wanted to be the the, the supplier of oil, and so Ukraine was never able to to be self-sufficient in the oil production and things of that nature.
there's a city, Mariupol, which is, um, it was the site of, in 2014, when the, uh, the revolution happened and Russia was influencing the country, they wanted to um, influence as much of Ukraine as possible to declare their independence and to join Russia. And one of the cities that was really um, hit hard was this Mariupol, which is on the southeastern side, not, not far from Russian border. And um, there was a lot of fighting that went on, but the Ukrainian army eventually um, you know, freed it and set up positions outside the city. So there, there was fighting previously, and now it's right along the route for Russia to, if they wanted to control all the, the Black Sea area, they have to go through Mariupol. And so Ukrainian, Ukraine has put a lot of forces there in the, country, in the, in the city and tried to, to, to strengthen it and defend it, and they've held out for a long time. They've been completely under siege, and uh, they tried to get people out and humanitarian aid in. And so it's been it's, a lot of people have died, a lot of civilians have died, and so it's it's uh, it's kind of a mess there in that city. And they know that if Mariupol falls, which it could in the coming weeks, that Russia would have a clear path all the way along the south coast, all the way to Crimea, which they took before, and heading toward Odessa. And there are still a few cities that have to fall before they would attack Odessa, and one of those is Mykolaiv. And uh, that city has held out and has been, had all this time to strengthen their defenses. And uh, so it would be, it'd be another uh, vicious fight for them once Mariupol falls. So it's, it's been a lot more difficult for the Russian uh, army than they expected. And uh, a lot of these southern cities, they're more Russian-speaking. They have more Russian, uh, you know, people of Russian descent. But still, they want to be a part of Ukraine. And so they're holding out even even close to the Russian border, where you would, you would expect them to fall very quickly. And uh, w one blessing out of all this, there, there are a few blessings at the end that I want to go over, but uh, one of the blessings is that uh, during our time, our six years, we were sending free John Romans, free Bibles, New Testaments, whatever we could, tracts. And uh, some of these cities that we sent to are Mariupol, which is under siege right now, uh, Berdyansk, which fell uh, kind of early on in the war, uh, the position of the city is that you, you come up to the highway and then there's cliffs and then down here is the city and the port. So that fell, fell very quickly. It was, it was a difficult city to defend, but we sent a lot of, a lot of literature there even you know, a month before the war started. And uh, Mykolaiv, Kherson, which is under attack, and uh, Krivirig and Odessa, all these cities along the south that are now under threat of invasion are places that we sent out hundreds of John Romans. So we don't know exactly what the Lord uh, has done or what he will do. Uh, it might be the fact that the Russian people, Russian soldiers might get saved from reading these John Romans. We, we're not, we, don't, we don't know what's good, what the Lord's going to do. But we know that a lot of these southern cities are places that we've sent out a lot of literature. That's an interesting question, and that—that's—I see a lot of uh, a lot of religious 
uh, motivation for all this. You know, we, we hear about the political side of it, that Ukraine wants to join the West and Russia wants to keep them from joining the West because they, they're previously under Russian control, a lot of resources. We hear about the political side. But there's also the, the religious side where Europe has wanted to consolidate their power and uh, that Catholicism would be the, the influencing fact that the Catholic Church would eventually take over uh, the European Union and influence the whole, the whole continent of Europe. And so as Ukraine goes toward uh, the West, you know, a lot of Western Ukraine, where they're, they're more pro-Europe, there's a lot of Catholicism in there. The, the area of Western Ukraine used to be part of Austria-Hungary, which, if you know World War, uh, the history of World War I, there's a lot of, a lot of religious. Serbians, Orthodox, wanted to be free from the Catholic Austrians. And so uh, a lot of this, this part of Western Ukraine was under uh, Catholic domination. And so Russia, they see themselves as freeing Ukraine from the Catholic Church and putting orthodoxy back, back in the country. And you can understand if you were, uh, if you were religious, orthodox, uh, and you saw, if you saw it in religious terms, the Catholic Church is trying to, to uh, break Ukraine away from Russia and basically put a knife to the throat of Russians, you can see how they would want to take the country away. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes uh, religiously. Um, and a lot of the motivations of war, World War I, World War II, have been between the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and then uh, America has gotten involved um, to influence one side or the other. So there's a lot going on in the country that, that uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. And we know that the devil's got plans for the country. And uh, kind of either way it works out uh, politically, the devil's going to going to influence. So it's, it's an interesting thing to see, but uh, we've been thankful that uh, the door's been opened, folks have gotten saved there, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of strange that the, the little things that we do have influenced the country politically. And um, so, any other questions? Okay. I mentioned in one of the speeches about a new talk over in Ukraine about this new world order that Biden was talking about? Yeah. Um, for the concern of the average Ukrainian, they just want to, they want to be a democratic country who decides their own way. You know, whether that's toward Europe or toward Russia, they want to have that choice. And um, we know that, that any new world order is going to, be, going to be bad for the Ukrainian people. And uh, I think the best, the best thing for them spiritually would be to be independent of Europe, independent of Russia, and just be a country that has their own language, has their own Bible, and you know, makes their own independent choices. And so uh, some folks in Ukraine, the, the Russians have used that and said, see, you're being used by the West to be part of this new world order, and uh, we want to free you from that. But most of the Ukrainians, they're, they're not interested in the broad political things. They just want to be free and want to have their own independent country and be, and be free. And they see, they see Europe, they see America, they see uh, the European Union, they see NATO. They see that as a way to be uh, the, the most independent that they can be with defense and um, military security guarantees. And even if they have to make sacrifices to support this European Union, this world order, uh, they're willing to do that as long as it means they can be independent and free. 
So the Ukrainian, Ukraine has always been between a rock and a hard place. They've been between Russia, who wants to influence them, and, and between the West, who wants to influence them. And so uh, either, either choice they make, they have to be influenced by somebody, just according to their ge geography and uh, where they're located. Um, they, they have to be under somebody's influence. And they, the, the vast majority of Ukrainians have picked Europe, European Union, and NATO as who they want to influence them. And so that's, that's what they're fighting over. But the average Ukrainian just wants to, just, just wants to be free. Zelensky? He's Jewish, which was interesting that uh, a Jewish president is in Ukraine. And um, he, uh, we listened to, they asked him, of course, what he, if he believes in God. And he, he, he wasn't forthcoming about his, what he believes. He said, I have my own beliefs. And uh, so we're not, not sure exactly what he believes. Um, it's, it's been interesting that Ukraine has been accused of supporting Nazis. Nazism, uh, whereas uh, they have a Jewish president, and uh, so he—he he is. Uh, a lot of people didn't respect him initially because he's—he's young and he used to be a comedian, used to be an actor, and uh, they didn't think he'd be able to do anything for the country. And uh, he—I I would say the best thing that he has done—he's just tried. He's—he's he's made an attempt to change the country, and now now being under war, he's made an attempt to stay and fight and. So he's gotten a lot of people's respect just for the fact that he's tried. He's, he's made the effort. And so whether he's done anything good politically or morally for the country, uh, he's gotten people's respect and even, even around the world for his you know, willingness to stay and fight and, and suffer along with his people. So it's interesting that uh, you know, it's all going back to Israel. And uh, the focus of the world is going back toward Jerusalem. And uh, we see that th this conflict in Ukraine is just uh, one thing that's getting the focus uh, of the world. And we know the fo focus of the Lord Jesus Christ is to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. So it's interesting to be a part of this, be a part of the last days and see exactly how. We, we couldn't have predicted all this stuff that's going on. But it's headed, headed right back there, and, and the Bible is right, right on track, just like usual. So any other questions? You get back in. You do have a history in the country. They know who you are. They know what you stand for. Let's say Russia does not. The Lord blesses Ukraine and keeps them safe. What's it going to take for you to get back in? Uh, one of the blessings I wanted to mention was that just um, in January, like a day before my birthday, I had applied uh, previously, and I mentioned when we were here on furlough uh, to pray for for my green card. And that was in the process when I was here on furlough, and it, it was a process that took over a year. And so I mentioned that in prayer, and uh, just in January, um, I, I was able to receive my green card, Amen. which is a huge blessing, and, and uh, that, was, that was just the Lord who allowed me to get that just right before the war broke out. But uh, previously, I would have had to, uh, through the church, uh, register as a missionary and uh, renew. Um, that, that would have been a process of a few weeks every year to renew uh, a religious visa. And uh, once I receive my green card, I have uh, 10 years um, that I can come and go in the country. And so that's a blessing. If, if I hadn't received that in January, um, then I would have had to, you know, whenever the doors open, I would have had to come into the country and then reapply. And, and of course, the system, we know 
after the war, uh, even if it ends right now, it's going to be a long process of rebuilding, and uh, the government's going to have to, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a struggle to get things back to the way they were. So I would have had to go back into the country and apply, and it would have been a, a long process. But I uh, just want to thank the Lord that he allowed me to get the green card and uh, so I can come and just show that card and get back in the country at will. So that, that's, that's one blessing that the Lord uh, uh, provided for us, and my wife's able to come and go as well. So I uh, just want to thank the Lord that you know it, it might be a while, a process of time, a couple years before we're able to go back and uh, continue as usual, but um, we're thankful that, that I would be able to go back easily uh, when that day comes. Any other questions? Well, uh, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, w one last blessing I want to, of course, I, I mentioned that uh, the Lord gave us safety out of the country. It's been a little, um, it's been a little difficult. We, we felt like it's when you praise the Lord for getting you out of a situation, you, you think about all the people that are still there. And so it's felt f for us kind of, kind of uh, strange to praise the Lord, even though so many people are still suffering there in the country. But uh, we don't want to forget the fact that the Lord uh, uh, blessed us personally and uh, kept us safe through the whole thing. Um, he's worthy of all the praise and glory for that. Even though we still have a burden for, for Ukrainian folks, we're just thankful that, that personally the Lord got us out. And um, we, we could have been stuck there. We, uh, you know, for the last few weeks, we were, uh, last few months, actually, we're, we're aware that something could go wrong in the country. We were saving water. I was digging a hole for compost for the garden. And I, I started to fill sandbags. I thought, I'm going to put, put them here around the house in, just in case. And, uh, you know, if any bombing starts, we'll have a little preparation at least. And, uh, you know, we, we determined that, that if there was a war in the east, we'd just continue to stay in the country. And it might be threat, might be invasion, but, um, you know, we were ready, prepared to stay. But I want to thank the Lord that, that even though a large-scale invasion did begin, we were able to have a little window of time uh, where we were able to get out. And so we want to thank the Lord for that. And, uh, and also thank the Lord that, uh, you know, back in uh, probably December, November, December prayer letter, um, I requested... Uh, help for tract printing, and we knew that uh, you know a lot of a lot of people had a desire to pass out tracts, and uh, we we just didn't have the supply even for our own church, let alone to send around Ukraine. And uh, we we kind of we had some folks you know give almost seven thousand dollars to the tract printing, and uh, we're, we're thankful for for everyone that gave to that. But during December and January, we, we had trouble finding people who could print. Uh, the guy that printed for us, a saved guy, lived very close to us. He moved to the States in November. And so we, we had to try to find a secular printer, and uh, we, we couldn't find anyone. You know, some people were afraid of what was going to happen, and other people couldn't print for whatever reason. And so we, we hit this, uh, this, these obstacles in printing. And uh, we, we only realized later, when the war began, when the fighting began, was that if the Lord allowed us to print in December and January, it, we would have had thousands of tracts, thousands of John Romans, uh, New Testaments maybe, that, that we would have just had to leave. And uh, it might have been a long time before anyone could go back to passing those out and sending them. And so the Lord allowed us, even through what we saw to be obstacles, uh, the Lord allowed us to, to not print. 
and he knew that we would we'd be able here in the states to print. And so we saw that at the time as an obstacle, but now we see it as the Lord's blessing, the Lord's mercy. He kept us from, uh, from doing a lot of printing that we would have just had to leave behind. And so, Lord willing, we will use those funds now that we're in the States to, uh, to, to print in other places. And, Pastor? Uh, sure, uh, when you go from where you're at to Poland, uh, were, did y'all own the vehicles you were driving in? Yes. What y'all do with those vehicles? We, that, that was another thing that the Lord allowed. Uh, we were able to find a believer there, a Polish man, and he said uh, through somebody else that we knew, he said, if anyone needs to leave your vehicles here, I have a place in front of my garage. You can leave them here. Uh, we won't touch them. Just you can leave them there as long as you need. And so that was a blessing that the Lord, we both, my father-in-law, we, you know, I followed him to the border into Poland uh, in, our, in our personal vehicles. And praise the Lord, we were able to leave them there in Poland with a man who's going to take care of them, watch over them. He said they're going to be as safe as our cars. So that's, that's another blessing that the Lord allowed. We had to leave a lot of stuff in the vehicles. Um, there are books that we just couldn't take with us, and, and I didn't have a suit. So a lot, a lot of stuff we had to leave behind. So praise the Lord. You know, little things that just opened up before we went. And uh, that's the, the Lord has shown, shown his face a multitude of times in small things and, and big things like that. You guys have any, maybe this is a better question to ask you personally, but you guys have any needs right now since having to leave so much stuff behind? And are you guys planning on settling down to Tennessee? Is that kind of your, your game plan now? Well, we, as far as needs, we, we've been struggling with just trying to think what we need. Um, there, we, we've lived out, of, lived out of suitcases in a room for the last month, and there's, there's honestly not a lot that we not a lot of things that we can take. There's food, that's always a need. But as far as material things, we were just, we're limited. And then if, if we accrue anything that, that we're just gonna have to leave here anyway. So that's kind of been a struggle. We, there've been little things, uh, bedding, uh, you know, little things that we've just had to pick up that we need in the immediate time. But um, there, there's not a lot that we can think of that materially that we can take or, or can need. Um, if anyone does, just on a personal note, have a copy of Dr. Ruckman's church history. Uh, I'm going through school, and uh, so I had to leave my copy there. I, I, I'm on a time limit to finish church history for Brother Peacock. So, okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> just got two tests left. But, uh, yeah, they, they were gracious there. I wrote and said, you know, I had to leave the country. Can I get an extension on that? Uh, they, they almost didn't give it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as far as needs, the um, Lord's taken care of us so far. We, we don't need um, anything as of yet. We don't, don't know of anything that we need. But um, we, are planning, uh, we are planning, Lord willing, to, to maybe go to Pensacola, stay there at Bible Baptist uh, while we have the baby. And um, um, we, we're going to stay with my parents for a time. Um, during, uh, in April, we plan to stay in Tennessee. Uh, my grandmother, I appreciate your prayers for her as well. She's on her last few days uh, on the earth, so we're going to, uh, she's saved, a Bible believer, so we're thankful for that, thankful for her testimony, um, you know, saved for 83 years and a Bible believer for, for over 60 years. So we're going to go down there for the funeral coming up in a few days, and then April, stay in Tennessee, 
And then during May, we're going to travel to a few churches um, during that time, present while we can. And then um, around end of June, July, uh, maybe head to Pensacola and stay there uh, with my in-laws and uh, have the baby. And then a few months there, stay uh, for that time. And then, you know, Lord willing, around, uh, around the first of the year, uh, we're praying about having a direction about where to go, either Poland or, or continue here in the States. And then we may treat that as, as just a furlough, travel around to our supporting churches and uh, during the spring and then uh, see what the Lord has for us around that time. So that's kind of our plan for the next six months or so. And uh, so we just appreciate you all praying for that. Yeah, he's one of the one of the folks that has wanted to reach out to us for printing. And uh, there's another uh, another group just a half hour away from my parents. But, yeah, yeah we're, we're thankful for that. We've had folks who have just offered to print, and that was the ministry we were involved in. So we're thankful that the Lord's opened the door. And I apologize for you know I'm not quite sure how to how to express everything that's going on. I can't don't have enough time, but I appreciate uh, you all praying for us and appreciate your, your you continuing to to lift us up before the Lord in prayer. He's talking about Brother Perry in just a couple minutes, and I watch Jerry ring me. He'll ring me, and you watch him. He'll go ding ling ling. I got one minute. Uh, Brother Perry graduated just before we did. He went over there. Uh, him and Brian Higgins, Brother Higgins died over on the field, uh, but they've been there forever, and, and I'm telling you, your time is limited in 